الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحابه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين All praises due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on the last Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and on all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day. Today begins the workshop on the soul of Hajj, Ruhul Hajj. Uh, you might have seen it written as Usul al Hajj because some people, when they heard soul in their minds, Usul sounded closer. Usul meaning the foundations. Right? So there are advertisements for it using both phrases. The basic phrase is the soul of Hajj. This is the correct uh, title. Now, <clears throat> the Prophet وسلم, he himself had said, Al-Hajj Arafa. The core of Hajj is Arafa. So he had already defined a critical point of Hajj without which there is no Hajj. You've missed Arafah, you have no Hajj. There's no making up for missing Arafah. So Arafah plays a pivotal role in the Hajj itself. But when we speak about the soul of Hajj, because if you just came to Arafah and left, do you have Hajj? No. So though Arafah pay, plays a pivotal role, it is not so critical that if you did it alone, it would be sufficient. So when we're talking about the soul of Hajj, what are we talking about? We're using the imagery of the Prophet ﷺ when he told us that the body has a core, a critical core. Inna fil jasadi mudqa. In the body, there is a clump of flesh. Ida saluhat. If it becomes good, if it is reformed, if it is righteous, then the whole body becomes righteous. And if it goes bad, then the whole body becomes bad. And he ended up saying, Allah wa al qalb. Indeed, it is nothing but the heart. His work referring to the heart. The core 
And again, from Islamic imagery, when the heart is used, it is referring really to the soul. The heart and the soul in Islamic usage are one and the same. Because the Prophet Muhammad is referring to the heart when using the term heart, he's referring to that place in your body. Not the physical heart itself, as mentioned in the Quran. Because we know people get heart transplants. Do they change? Do they become different people? No. So we know that the physical heart itself is not the core, but it is the location where the soul links with the body. It's talking about the soul. So, as with the individual, if his soul is good, he's a good soul, then all of his actions will become good. But if he is an evil soul, a bad soul, then all of his actions will be bad. Even if they appear good, their intentions are bad intentions behind them. So they become evil. So the Prophet ﷺ, using this imagery is giving us a way of looking at Islam and all of the various things connected to Islam. Looking at the body and looking at the soul. The outer and the inner. That the inner is the core. It is what has to be attained. It is what has to be Corrected, done correctly, in order for the structure to be of any use. All of Islam can be looked at in the same way. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the Quran, when He told us, Quran, will they not reflect, contemplate? on the meanings of the Qur'an. Am ala qulubin aqfaluha Or are their hearts locked up? So the reading of the text of the Qur'an, that is the body. But understanding that text, that is the soul. And without that understanding, then the physical exercise is useless. It is of no benefit. Though we have turned it into something very elaborate and we have, you know, embellished it and made it seem so beautiful, we have our Quran reciting contests and the different recitations and, you know, it becomes such a huge uh, affair. But the core understanding the Qur'an isn't there. 
So all of that fanfare and issue that we raise for that event without the contemplation it's of no avail it does not really benefit it's like a screen you can't see what is really going on you think you're doing what you're supposed to do but you're not so that is a, a principle that exists in all the various aspects of Islam. Hajj is no different. Hajj is just one among the five pillars. Among the various acts that Allah has instructed us to do, either in the Quran or through the Sunnah, of the Prophet but everything ultimately has to be looked at in this same way. Where is the soul? We should always ask ourselves when we're doing various acts, have we found the soul? Have we understood the goal? Because that's what the soul is talking about. The soul is addressing what the goal of that act is. Because if we haven't identified the goal, we don't know what the goal is, how are we going to attain it? That's, this is just common sense. This is not Greek philosophy. It's just common sense. If you don't know what the goal of the act of worship that you're doing is, are you likely to, to do the act the way it is supposed to do, be done? No. That's the great likelihood. And as such, for Muslims all over the world, they are caught up in the body in the external and they look at it for the most part as a burden Allah has put this burden on them the burden of Islam you have to carry every Muslim has to carry this burden but that's not what Islam was supposed to be Islam was the liberator from burdens. And we only can be liberated if we have understood what the goal and the soul of that act of worship is. This is the general concept. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, when the time for prayer came, he would say to Bilal, Arihna bisalaya Bilal. Give us rest. Peace, comfort by calling the call to prayer, O Bilal. But is that how we look at prayer? Ah, here comes a chance for us to be relaxed, rested, peaceful, connecting with Allah. Is that how we look at the prayer? Oh, oh time for prayer again. Ah, 
okay, let's go make wudu and just do it. And done, okay, alhamdulillah. So what happened to the prayer? Was that the prayer which was prescribed? Are we doing Allah a favor? Or was the prayer for our benefit? That we can only attain if we have understood the goal and the soul of prayer. So, looking at the Hajj, This presentation addresses the fact that there are a number of books on Hajj. And among the best of the books that I've come across is one written by Ismail Davis, a scholar from South Africa. And he has been very comprehensive in providing all of the, the details of Hajj. So the question is, why would one con contemplate doing another presentation on Hajj? Why don't we just use that? Well, because that book, like most books, focus on the rules. He does go into, in different points, getting the most out of different aspects of the Hajj. But for the most part, the book is set up, like most books on Hajj, telling you, do this at this time, don't do this at this time, do this, don't, do, don't. It's a do and don't thing. But why do you do? Why don't you do? It doesn't get into. I'm sure you've picked up books on Hajj. You read. It doesn't go into explain to you why do and why not do. It just tells you do, don't do. So there is a need for us to understand the whys. Because that makes the act of worship meaningful. we can then embrace that act of worship in the way that we should. We feel good about it. And the likelihood of us doing it the right way is great if we have understood what is the goal. Why are we doing this? What am I supposed to be getting from this? How should it affect me? Because, ultimately, all of our acts of worship are for our development. We're not doing Allah any favors, are we? Does Allah need our hajj? Is he benefited if all of us make hajj? Or is he harmed in any way if none of us make hajj? No. So therefore, who was it prescribed for? Not for himself. It was prescribed for us. We are the ones who need to make Hajj. It is our need that Allah is fulfilling by prescribing the Hajj for us. 
So therefore we have to approach Hajj from that perspective of identifying what need is being fulfilled, what moral principle and character is being built through that principle or element of the Hajj. Because Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu had told us, I was only sent to perfect for you the highest of moral character traits. Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu summarized all of Islam in terms of morality. Morally correct behavior. It is about doing and not doing with particular goals in mind. So whatever we're doing of Islam should keep in mind this powerful statement of the Prophet ﷺ, which is telling us that Hajj is about change. Changing our moral character. Making us better people. That's why when we look at what is the results, what is promised by the Prophet ﷺ for Hajj, when a person does Hajj, you know, what was promised? What was promised was purification from sin. Salvation, Jannah. These are all the things that the Prophet ﷺ spoke about as the product of Hajj. So how can that be? How does that become? What do we need to do to make it that? Is the Hajj that we're doing one which will give us that? These are the big questions. So, what we're going to be looking at in this series of workshops is the soul of Hajj. We will touch some of the rituals and the rites, as the Prophet ﷺ did tell us, take your rites and rituals of Hajj for me, meaning there are rules. You know, we don't forget all the rules and say, well, I'm just going for the soul. I'll do it anyhow I feel like doing it, just as long as I keep focused on the soul, the core, the goal. No. You need both. Both need to be in place. The rules and the principles guide the individual to be able to address and to reach, to attain the core values, principles that are enshrined within the Hajj. So, if we're going to get the most out of Hajj, we need to look at it from the perspective of the journey itself. Most of the Hajj is a journey. And in our lives, 
we have different kinds of journeys. We have journeys to earn a livelihood. Most of us here are here on a journey to earn our livelihood. That's what brought us here. Young people are in school, whatever, they came here to go to school. This journey is about livelihood. We also have journeys to escape from danger, the refugees. All we read about, people in Syria now, other countries, war-torn uh, countries where people are fleeing, traveling, going out on a journey to escape death or to escape harm in their own countries. They're refugees. So these two types of journeys are very common. Then we also have the holiday journey. All of us, we either dream about it or we get a chance to do it. We go on a holiday. We journey to other countries, other cities, other places, sightseeing as tourists. The pleasure of the holiday. These are the main journeys that we take. However, we have additionally the spiritual journey called Hajj. And Hajj is different from all of these. Yes, you can earn some livelihood while on the Hajj. Some people bring goods to sell from different parts of the world. And Islam doesn't forbid it. You may do that. But if that becomes the goal of your hajj, you are selling off all your goods, then likely you're going to miss out on the purpose of the hajj itself. You know. If we look at our system of worship in Islam, they come under two basic headings or categories. One is the physical. Physical like what? Like Salah, Saum. These are physical acts. The Salah is a physical act. Fasting is a physical act. Primarily, that's what we do. But it doesn't mean that that's the core, the goal, but that's the type of act. It doesn't involve finance. Right? So the other area is the monetary acts of worship. And that's like zakah and charity. Sadaqah. These are monetary acts of worship. In the case of Hajj, Hajj combines both. Both aspects are included. We have a physical journey that we have to take, right? Tawaf around the Kaaba, that's physical. Sa'i walking between Safa and Marwa, that's physical. Going to Mina, Arafah, Muzdalifah, that's all physical. So, 
the benefits that come from those physical acts of worship, which for the most part are humility and obedience, found in both salah and fasting, this is also involved in the Hajj. The monetary aspects of Hajj, of course, everybody knows. As soon as we have to make Hajj, you go to the Hajj group, Hajj uh, body institution. You ask them what? How much? You want to know how much is it going to cost? And every year the money goes up, getting more and more costly. <clears throat> so, that is the monetary aspect. We have to also make animal sacrifice during the Hajj, etc. So Hajj combines both of those aspects of the other acts of worship. So Hajj is like the summary of everything. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned Hajj last. He began with the, the principle of faith where Islam begins, and that is the Shahada. Then after the Shahada, he went to the next most important thing, and that is Salah, critical. And following Salah, sometimes he mentioned fasting, and sometimes he mentioned Zakat. If you see the various statements of the Prophet ﷺ, he switched between the two, saying that these are interchangeable. But always the last was Hajj. Because it is the summation of everything else. Hajj has got it all. And for Hajj, the Prophet ﷺ identified benefits. Among them, the reward of prayer in Mecca. A hundred thousand prayers elsewhere with the exception of Masjid al-Haram and Masjid al-Aqsa because they both uh, Masjid al-Haram uh, sorry Masjid al-Nabawi the Prophet's Masjid it has a value also what is the number what is the value of prayer in Masjid al-Nabawi Huh? 50,000? 500? 1,000. It's 1,000. Right. So, when the Prophet ﷺ said it's worth 100,000, the prayer in Mecca, it didn't mean 100,000 of the prayers in Medina. It meant 100,000 in the general masjids. Then the Prophet ﷺ had also said that the person who makes Hajj pilgrimage to Allah's house without committing any acts of indecency or disobedience to Allah will return home as pure from sin as he was on the day his mother bore him. Like a newborn child. Purification from sin. 
So now, this is telling us what the goals of Hajj are. On one hand, it is earning rewards to prayer. On the other hand, it is purification from sin. So, whilst we are doing it, we should also be conscious, asking ourselves, is what we're doing going to purify us from sin? What is missing? The third category is, as the Prophet ﷺ had said, that the reward for the accepted hajj, al-hajj al-mabrur, is nothing less than paradise. So here are the goals set right there. Purification from sin. Reward accumulated. And paradise at the end of it all. So when we're performing the various acts of hajj, these have to be kept in mind. We have to ask ourselves, is this going to get me to paradise? The way I have done this, the various acts that I'm doing, is this going to help me to get to paradise or is this going to hinder me? Is it going to purify me from sin or is it going to add sin on myself? That's, we have to ask ourselves constantly. Because there's so many different choices that we have to make throughout the hajj. It will be between these two. Adding sins or cleaning us up from sins. Taking us to paradise or taking us to hell. So we are between these two. And we have to keep these two in mind as we do our hajj. So as you can imagine, getting the reward of a hundred thousand prayers isn't easy. Just like catching Laylatul Qadr. The reward of a thousand nights of worship. Days of worship. A lifetime. A thousand nights or days is a lifetime. Eighty-three years. Is that easy? Is it just, we know the 27th, you know, we can fool around all during Ramadan, do whatever we want to do, and, you know, when the 27th comes, we make sure we're there in the masjid, and we just be there at that night, and we pray that night, all night long, 27th, and we got it? Is that how it is? I'm sure nobody is deluded into thinking that that's how you get the reward for a thousand nights of prayer. Prayer for a lifetime. But in our ignorance, you see, this is how it's propagated. In our ignorance, people act that way. Even though if they stop to think for a minute, it doesn't make sense. This is not going to give me the reward of a thousand nights of prayer. But we do it because everybody's doing it, everybody's looking at it the same way. The 27th, that's it, that's the night. Similarly, in the case of Hajj and what Hajj does, 
It's not going to purify us of sin. It's not going to earn for us paradise by just doing what they call a five-star hajj, you know, five-star um, fast food hajj. You fly in just for Arafah. You make your toe off, everything the next day, and boom, you're gone again. Two-day hajj. It's not going to happen. See, well, people are just working on the technicalities. Yes, when you ask the scholars, if a person did not spend the time in Mina and they went straight to Arafah, is the hajj still valid? They say yes. It's still valid. But when a person deliberately avoids Mina and just flies in for Arafah, we have to question, is, are they really going to get the reward? Yes, technically the Hajj is still valid. But the reward for that Hajj of purifying one from sin, paradise, that's delusion. We have deluded ourselves into believing that we will achieve that by only doing this little thing. So, we can be certain that for us to attain what Hajj was prescribed for, we have to work. We have to work on it. It's an effort that we have to make. It's not easy. We have to strive. And for each human being, it's, they get the reward of what they have striven for. They're not just given things. Yeah, we are given when we have striven. <clears throat> so for Hajj to be accepted as a general principle, we have to consciously seek the spiritual goals behind the physical rites and rituals of Hajj. We have to seek those goals. Because without seeking those goals, as we said in the beginning, we will not achieve them. To seek the goal, you have to know what the goal is. If you don't know what the goal is, how can you achieve it? Then, the negative actions and reactions can corrupt the Hajj. فَلَا رَفَثَ وَلَا فُسُوقَ وَلَا جِدَالَ فِي الْحَجِّ Allah told us clearly. We should not be arguing, fighting, speaking ill, speaking corruption, because that will undo our hajj. It will devalue it maybe all the way to zero. And 
there is another element of Hajj which is necessary. And that is that we don't isolate ourselves from the people in Hajj. We cannot isolate ourselves, go off by ourselves, escape people in Hajj. Like the monks will go off into their monasteries, cut off from society and worship God. This is not the way. The Hajj is about interacting with people as life is. Life is about interacting with people. But doing it in such a way that Allah is pleased by how we have interacted. That's why the Prophet ﷺ had said, the believer who mixes with the people or the masses and patiently bears their insults and offenses is better than the one who neither mixes with the masses nor patiently bears their offenses. Mixing with people. Dealing with the trials that come from it. And Hajj is such that you must mix. Yes, you're making a five-star Hajj. You want to avoid the crowds and they have whatever that they're going to try to get you in and out and so you don't have to deal with too But you still have to make Tawaf. And the Tawaf is filled. You're going to be in the middle of it. And if you're about just, you know, avoiding people and all these other kinds of things, then your Tawaf is going to be horrendous. Because you're going to be pushed, you're going to be pulled, people are going to step on your feet, elbows are going to hit you in your back, in your side. All kinds of things are going to happen. You can't help it. Sometimes when you're making Tawaf, you'll see people screaming and shouting, just going mad in the middle of it all. So, to attain that Hajj Mabrur, the accepted Hajj, we have to be able to navigate our way through all of the trials of Hajj. How do we know? People always ask, well, how do we know if we ended up making that Hajj Mabrur or not? When you come back, people say Hajj Mabrur. May your Hajj be accepted. But how to know whether you had an accepted Hajj or not? Some people say, okay, you can't know. It's just up to Allah. Allah knows. No. There are signs. Among the signs is that the Hajj has a lasting effect. Some countries, when you make Hajj, the men wear a cap. There's a Hajj cap. But only people who make Hajj are allowed to wear this cap. So other countries, the women, women normally not covering their head, but after they make Hajj, now they wear hijab. There are different outer things that people, and they get the title. Now you're Hajji and Hajja. You know. 
that is symbolic of you having done it. But really, this is stuff we've made up. You know, Hajj is not like a PhD. You study at the end of it, you get a doctorate, you know. Now you're Hajj, Bilal, Al-Hajj, Khadija, Hajja. No. How we know is the impact of the Hajj on the individual. Did he change? Did she change? Or she just came back and went back doing whatever they were doing before? If that's what happens when we come back from Hajj, all of the things that we know really are not good things, but we were doing them anyway. We come back, well we didn't do it in Hajj because it's not possible. So we came back from Hajj and then we're back doing the same things again. Some people actually in Hajj, you'll see them doing the things. Man will be making tawaf and he's got his cell phone by his ear. Yes, yes, uh, sell that and buy this and... Uh, Brother, you're making hajj. You're making tawaf. You know? Can you put your phone away? That's his business. He's lost. Hajj has no impact. Hajj will cause a deep spiritual transformation to take place within the individual. And this will be observable in how they conduct their life after Hajj. They are changed people. Because Hajj, as we said in the beginning, is about change. If there is no change, there is no Hajj. Simple as that. Because if you didn't need Hajj, I mean that your, your Islam, your uh, relationship with Allah is so good, so perfect, that you came back from Hajj and you're the same as you were. You didn't need Hajj. That's a false. That's a delusion. False understanding. It's a delusion. Shaitan has deluded us. So there must be change. And this change should be lasting. It's not changed for the first week you came back from Hajj and after the week, you know, you start to slip back into the other stuff and, you know, after a month, there you are back where you were. That's the sign that the Hajj was not accepted. That's the proof. So we can see it in how we respond. So Hajj should produce a form of God consciousness, taqwa. God consciousness is taqwa, which will cause the pilgrim, the haji, to reform himself and call others to Islam. Invite others to that new understanding, that new sense of awareness. To be transformed as he was transformed or she was transformed. That's how we know that the Hajj has been accepted. 
change, real change, permanent change has taken place. That's the sign. On the other hand, Hajj in cultural Islam, what we spoke about in the beginning, focuses on just the legal obligations. When a person reaches the age of puberty, maturity, according to Sharia, Hajj is obligatory. However, in the cultural understanding of Hajj, it is recommended that people delay. Don't make Hajj while you're young. You want to make Hajj, your parents would say, wait, 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 wait. This is not the time. Don't do Hajj now. Why? Well, why shouldn't you go and do Hajj now? It's obligation. You have the money. You have the means. Why shouldn't you go and make Hajj? No, no. Better. Better you don't do it now. Why? Because we said that Hajj wipes you from sin like the day you were born. So now if you go and make Hajj now, you're young. Wiped yourself from sin. You come back and then you're back into sin again. Ah. You've wasted your Hajj. So the time to make Hajj is at the end of life. When you've got one step left to the grave. You can't do any more sins. You've run out of energy. Now is the time to go and make Hajj. Clean it all up. See, this is the delusion. This is the delusion. Satan has deluded us. And that's why you hear of so many people dying in Hajj. Even if there isn't a fire or there isn't, you know, stampede or whatever, you still hear of people dying. Because people are going almost at the point of death. They're trying to walk up the steps to get on the plane, they fall and they die. Or the plane lands in Saudi Arabia and they're walking down the steps, they slip, boom, they die. Everywhere people are dying because they have left the Hajj to the last moments of their lives. Of course, Tawaf is a chore. They don't have the energy, the prayers, everything that the Hajj becomes really a major burden for them. They have to have wheelchairs, they have to all these different things. Because the Hajj has been left to the end of life. But this is not the way. Hajj became an obligation when puberty set in. Once you became, you became mature, physically mature, then Hajj was an obligation of you. But of course, to one who has the means. If you don't have money to take yourself on Hajj, then okay. But once you have that means, and you've reached puberty, then it is a sin. It is sinful, really, to delay it. So, of course, 
This is based on the misinterpretation of that hadith we spoke about earlier. That whoever makes a pilgrimage acceptable to Allah, Hajj Mabrur, will return home free from sin like the day his mother gave birth to him. But it's interpreted in the wrong way. Shaitan has deluded them into thinking it means delay your hajj, don't do it early. So the reality of the hajj of those who have delayed it to the end of their lives is that they will just be stressed trying to do the rituals. That will be the focus. The spiritual elements will be lost. And that's why you will be surprised to find people, you know, old people who are very rough in Hajj. You know, somebody steps on their foot and they're ready to beat them. And, you know, you'd think, okay, this is an older person, mature, they've understood, they would be more, you know, controlled, humble. But no, you find all kinds of arrogance. Because they're doing the Hajj, Missing the spirit of the Hajj. They're just completing the ritual. Believing that having completed the ritual, you can now die free from sin. And because this is the common misunderstanding, cultural hajj. This is why, why you find people tend to focus on the outward things. So we had the hajj cap, the hijab, the title hajji, hajja. These were added. Because this now made up for the missing elements of hajj. They feel some kind of accomplishment. You know, I'm now a hajji. And if you're not called, referred to as hajj so-and-so, you know, it's, you feel you have been insulted, so-and-so didn't give you your title of hajji or hajja. Because the goals were missed. And those who are doing hajj in this way, delayed, etc., then they treat the Hajj like that holiday journey, tourism. They spend time on, and effort on those aspects. And of course, there will be a lot of distractions there. People making good business for those who are focused on these ritual aspects connected to the Hajj. So trinkets, prayer rugs, you know, so you can say my prayer rug was from Hajj. But it was made in China. But no, I, I bought it in Mecca, right? 
it has special value and so on and so forth and these are the people oftentimes who get involved in what we call the express hajj you know where you shoot in and shoot out the minimum possible days you're making hajj with, uh, over three days max that's it so in order for us to attain the goal of hajj and we said that goal is a moral goal because the Prophet ﷺ had said that all of the pillars of Islam, all of Islam is about reforming human morals, creating better human beings. Hajj builds an international character. A character who is free from nationalism, tribalism, clanism, and all those connected isms. He or she looks at the ummah as an ummah. They are not proud to be a Pakistani. But people feel, well, why not? Why shouldn't you be proud to be a Pakistani? Why? Did you determine where you are going to be born? So you can say, you know, I earned it, I did it. No. Allah determined it. So it means it has no value. The fact that you were born on a piece of the earth called Pakistan. It's not something to be proud about. But nationalism has been promoted coming from the colonial era when the Muslim Ummah was chopped up into little bits and pieces controlled by various colonial powers. We were given flags and anthems and Things which gave us a unique, a separate identity. Lines were drawn on maps. In the middle of tribes. One tribe happens to be on that side. You're Ethiopian if you're born on that side of the border. You're Somali if you're born on the other side. You are a Djibouti if you're born in this other corner. You are Sudanese if you're born in this Nonsense. This is nonsense. This is not Islam. The Prophet Muhammad had said regarding nationalism, da'ha fa'innaha muntina. Give it up, leave it, because it is rotten. It's rotten, it stinks. Whoever calls to nationalism, tribalism, clanism is not of us. It's not a true Muslim. It contradicts Hajj. Hajj is the place where 
we are put in the midst of Muslims from all corners of the globe. Reminding us that we are one ummah. So if we don't come out of the Hajj with that kind of an understanding, if we're still a nationalist, then we missed out on one of the major characteristics of Hajj. It's the time when we meet with people from other parts of the world. And we love them for the sake of Allah. We build bonds. Having worshipped Allah together. This is what is supposed to happen. But we end up in camps. This is the Bangladeshi camp. You know, this is the Egyptian camp. This is the... We're all sectioned off into... I, was this Hajj? In the time of the Prophet ﷺ, were they doing that? There was an area which is just for this clan and another one for that clan and that tribe. And no, this isn't the Hajj of the Prophet ﷺ. Yeah, before the prophethood, yes. And in the early days of the prophethood, the Quraysh uh, and the others, they did do that. They did do that. That was their way. They would divide up, set up the best places for the Quraysh and other tribes would have lesser places and that was how they did it. And now we're back there again. We're in the time of Jahiliyyah. We're doing the Hajj of Jahiliyyah. So this is, we're losing the spirit. We have fallen into this. The divisions of the Ummah. The other is patience. If we didn't learn patience from Hajj, then we didn't do Hajj. We didn't do Hajj. Because Hajj is about patience. And Allah says, Give glad tidings of paradise for those who are patient. Hajj is about patience. Because your patience will be tested. You will be tried and tested. Whatever the Hajj company pr promises you, they're not going to deliver it all. No, for those of you preparing to go and make Hajj, they've told you, they showed you brochures, they showed you pictures of the place there and everything. And it looks nice. But when you get there, Things fall apart. Your bathroom doesn't work. This happens there. No water. This. The bus doesn't come on time. You have to walk. And all kinds of things are going to happen. And if you're not focused on your Hajj, on the goals of Hajj, then you get off in these things. You become mad. You're screaming at the, you know, the Hajj company. They, they try to do their best, but you just cannot prevent Everything from happening. Things will happen. So that's among the challenges that you know you have to be careful of when you go to make Hajj. You know, you have to just let those things go. Yeah, it wasn't right. Shouldn't have been. That's not how this should be done. If you advise, you advise in a nice way. Listen, please. 
do it this way? Could you try to do it that way? Can you to improve things a little bit, whatever? You do it in a nice way. I'm not saying you just don't say anything. Let them do anything to you. Yeah? You should advise them. But then, if it's stuff that's beyond their control, they're not able, then you just have to be patient. Because Hajj is about patience. No patience, no Hajj. Simple as that. No patience, no Hajj. Your level of patience will determine the level of your Hajj. So these are the two core characteristics that Hajj should bring out of us. That we have a universal outlook. We see the Ummah. We don't see our nation, our city, our family. We see the Ummah as one. And we are patient. Patient with the trials that are going to come in our lives because Allah told us. Allah told us that he is going to try and test us with loss of life, wealth, all kinds of things. That's how life is. We are constantly being tested. And how do we pass this test? It's with sabr. It's with patience. Patience is the key to passing the test. And hajj, having a successful hajj, patience is the key to attaining that goal. Allah has promised paradise for those who are patient.